I wanted to talk about the price hikes because clearly there were a lot of people on Twitter that were like, no, there's no way they're going to make it more expensive despite there being um, an assortment of things happening on the next generation iPhones that always come along with price hikes. So, <laughs> need that orange boy. Yeah, watch this on the Pro Display XDR. Get get some of that extreme dynamic range. But um, there's certain things whenever Apple does that it comes with a price jump. And I think that those things are inevitable and it just comes along with tech getting better if we expect technology to improve it is going to get more pricey as time goes on so i did a video a while back on why next year's iphones are getting more expensive because they're doing like four things that are all notoriously known for being more pricey um but it doesn't it, it people still don't believe it because they're like but they're already expensive it's like yes but those phones will get cheaper so if you care about those features and you don't want any new features, um, you got to pick one. You, get, you can either have new features and new hardware, or you can have the prices stay the same. Sadly, you can't have both. Is Apple coming out with a couple of phones in March or so? No, uh, the rumors we're seeing right now are suggesting it just being the iPhone. Some people call it the 9, but I don't think anyone knows what it's going to be called. We, we've been referring to it as like the next generation SE. So the next-gen iPhone SE, which is basically just a A13 chip inside an iPhone 8, that's coming in March. But outside of that, I don't expect any other iPhones. That thing will not be the example of a price hike. That will be $400. It won't have 3D Touch, but it'll have a really good CPU. And it's basically just meant to make iOS more accessible. But the next-generation OLED lineup of iPhones, definitely going to be a price hike. I don't think we can avoid that because, for one... In 2020, there's an import tariff going into effect, which is going to take a fairly sizable chunk out of iPhone's revenue. And it would be highly unlikely that Apple just eats that chunk. Um, that's more than likely something they're going to have to compensate for a little bit. And 5G modems are not cheap. Those types of things that you want to install on iPhones are, are usually with price increases. Um, for two... There's new form factors, which means that they have to make more drastic changes to the assembly line. Basically, what it means is, like, um, this assembly line for the 11 Pro Max did not have to change very much from the 10s Max because it's still stainless steel edges. They're still curved. The screen sizes were the same. Uh, the notch is the same size. Face ID is the same size. Um, same size bezel as last year. There's a lot of things they could carry over from the 10s Max assembly line that they didn't have to retrofit much of the factory for the 11 Pro Max assembly line. But when you're working with new form factors, very likely new notches, so it's not going to be the same face ID arrangement as before because they have to condense these sensors in order to get them to fit on a 5.4-inch model. That's another thing. The 5.4-inch model, I'm thinking now it might look better if I turn that off. Nah, that's too dark. Um, that's a new form factor that we didn't have before, as well as there being two 6.1-inch models, both of which are OLED, which is completely new. There's never been an OLED 6.1-inch iPhone before. That's going to require new assembly lines, and we're going with a squared-off design, which means that they cannot recycle and reuse the manufacturing plants that they use to create this. And the 10s Max plus the iPhone 10 before that. Um, there's very little they can recycle because there's so much new stuff they're doing with this year's uh, generation uh, not to mention the first 5 nanometer chip with A14 on the ARM side of things. So knowing all of that, and if you go throughout history and look at all the times the iPhone has gotten more expensive, pretty much every single time the iPhone screen resolution goes up, 
it always comes with a price jump. Almost always. And that's how it's been most, most recently. If there's a larger screen or a different screen of some kind, very rarely do they change the screen with a price going down. Or they change the screen and the price stays the same. Typically, these types of things always require a price increase. So that's why I'm just trying to warn everyone so you're prepared for it. I don't want everybody getting into this hang of things like, well, iPhone price has peaked and they're not going to go any higher than that and they're just going to be happy with that and they'll never increase the prices after, after this. We were super lucky last year. I do not consider, the, not last year, in 2019, I do not consider that the new normal. In my opinion, the 2019 iPhone lineup was the exception. That was them trying to win market share. Next year is not them trying to win market share. They played it very safe. They didn't try to do anything that drastically different with the 11 Pro Max. They they added a lens. They increased the battery size. But, you know, from the front, it looks identical. And they knew that if the front looked identical, they could not increase the price. Um, and honestly, the fact that they added a camera and kept the price the same is quite amazing. And I don't think they're going to be able to add a new assortment of features that are that drastic uh, year over year and keep the price the same. I just don't see that happening. There are six models. Three of them are 4G and the other three are 5G. No 6.5 inch this time, just the 5.4 inch and 6.1 inch kind of way. I don't know what you're talking about, but that's not that's not a... Whoever said that was not a reliable leaker. Pretty sure all of them are going to support 5G of some kind. It's just the cheaper ones are going to support a lower bandwidth version of 5G, and the pros will support the higher-end version of 5G. Um, YouTube streams are a mess, I agree. Don't Let's not try YouTube. Um, so are you getting a Tesla for Christmas? No, that's that's in less than a week. <laughs> that would be very quickly, but no, that's not happening. I wish it was. I wish I could get one like yesterday, but that's okay. That's not going to happen. Really happy with the growth of the EV channel, though, so... Even if I don't have a Tesla, I can still, you know, talk about Tesla and uh, make a good living, make a good, honest work about it, which I enjoy. But, um, yeah, there's no way they can switch to a 5G modem without losing money on that end. And what I talked about in my video today was that they're trying to minimize the cost of the iPhones going up because, I mean, the only reason they would be investigating, uh, you know cutting costs with supply chains is because they know next year's iPhones are going to be more expensive. They know that. They're well aware of that. <laughs> so that's my point. Apple would not be researching supply chains for ways of cutting costs unless that the next-gen iPhones were going to cost more than the current ones cost, and they're going to try to avoid pushing that off to the consumer as much as possible, but some of it is going to be there. There's no way the, the next-gen iPhones are going to be you think they're just going to switch the iPhone 11 to an OLED display and not change anything about it? Oh, it supports 5G now. Oh, it has a better CPU. It has a better battery. It has an OLED display. It has a smaller notch. But we kept the price exactly the same. This is Apple we're talking about. This is the $1,000 Pro Stand Apple we're talking about. I don't think so. I really don't think so. Yeah, I can afford it, but that doesn't make it a good investment. Just because you have the money to buy something does not make it a good investment. It's a bad, bad, bad mindset right there. Really think and really, really plan before you make big investments like a Tesla. Uh, Stephen Grace, 2015. Thank you for the Twitch Prime sub for 12 months. Hey, he hit your year. Congratulations. Appreciate all your support. Uh, Warhead asked, wasn't that canceled? Uh, no, it's not canceled if it was never announced. If you were referring back to the 
SE, which Quo is saying is coming in March, and I believe him because we got that report a long time ago, and there's been several analysts that have um, agreed with that, that there's a 4.7-inch iPhone making a comeback around March. Um, so I would trust that. There's a chance it may not happen, but uh, Quo's had a pretty solid track record so far. Not perfect, but no one's perfect. CoinX is about as close as you can get to perfect, and he's given us nothing lately. So I would trust Quo. If you go back and look at the Apple rumors and leaks he gave out in January of this year, look at how many of them ended up happening. Some of them didn't, but uh, quite a lot ended up happening. Um, it's crazy how a phone only used to keep Apple alive. What do you mean? Uh, only used to keep Apple alive? I'm thinking about getting the iPhone 12 non-pro next year because my S8 doesn't have a good enough battery and it's slowed down a lot. Yeah, I mean, a big reason a lot of people don't go with the 11 or the 10R, as they called it, has been the um, the display. A lot of people want to prioritize that OLED display and the thinner bezels. So the fact that they're adopting that on the 12 next year, I think, could get a lot of people to switch to that, even though a lot of people already are using the uh, 11, as is. Uh, whoa. Twitch Prime sub uh, from Tom Davis. Tom with three M's. Thank you for the Twitch Prime sub for three months. And he says, hey, Drew, been watching since the Attic days. You made me consider getting an Apple Watch back in the day. I was an Apple f fan before, but now think you've made me an Apple sheep. In the past three years, I've been watching. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I apologize in advance, Tom. I did not mean that was probably not good for your bank account. But um, I hope I did not throw anyone into horrible debt. But hopefully you like your products. Like, iPhone was their biggest profit. Uh, it still is. It's the largest chunk of their revenue. So that hasn't changed. But, hey everyone, been a while since I participated here. Welcome back. Um, iPhone 11 would be $5.99. Nice. If that goes down by 100 bucks in a year, yeah, yeah. That would probably sell really well. I wonder if they'll keep the 10R next year. And keep it at an even lower price because it's five ninety nine right now. So if it was five hundred bucks, that that could also be really popular. I'm excited for that day where it's just it's all gesture control and it's all face ID across the board. I'm looking forward to that. We'll have a lot more consistency between iOS. Like it's, we're going into 2020 and they're still working on a phone with Touch ID and a home button and everything. Four ninety nine for ten R. Oh boy, yeah, exactly. That would be nice. A lot of people are just going to be like, that's what it should have been all along. <laughs> oh, no. Why are there frame drops? What's wrong with the internet? Am I doing something wrong? Is it Chrome? Is Chrome doing crap in the background? Hang on a second. Let me close that. Ugh. Is that what was causing the lag earlier? By the way, off-topic question, Drew, is there any differences uh, to i9 2.3 gigahertz versus the i9 2.4 gigahertz in terms of Final Cut slash After Effects on the 16-inch MacBook Pro? That's a very specific question. I don't have either of those models, so I don't know if there's a real-world difference. Obviously, there's a number difference. I mean, I imagine it's probably pretty small. If there's a difference in listed specifications, then there might be a little bit of difference in performance, but I imagine they're probably very close. Um, I, I don't think if the numbers are, uh, that close together, the performance would be identical, but I also don't think it would be night and day. So, um, you'd probably be fine with either. I wouldn't say like, oh, well, if you have the 2.3 gigahertz, you can totally do this project. But if you have 2.4, um, that, that will do it way better 
that'll that'll just exceed it in every way. Uh, let's see. Wishing Well says, I would honestly be super surprised if it's true about the $50 price increase only. Would totally be worth it? Well, I think you're, you're probably speaking to most people. I mean, it's very common these days for a lot of people to get the um, iPhones on a monthly plan and they're paying them off over time or they're in the iPhone upgrade program and that kind of thing. Um, so a $50 price increase over the course of two years is really nothing. No one's even really going to notice that. But there are a lot of people on Twitter, of course, because Twitter's the site where everyone gets angry. But <laughs> there are a ton of people that were just like, hey, I'm not going to pay more for my phone. I'm not buying that phone if it's $50 more. It's like that's that's less than sales tax on most phones. So I highly doubt that they're at that point where it's like a, a price hike is annoying. I get that. Nonetheless, if we want... To, if we find out we have to pay more for a phone, it's like, yeah, but you're getting more out of it. That's the whole point. It's like, why can't everything stay the same price? And iPhones have statistically gone up in price over the years. Like, the very first iPhone, when it first came out, was like, off off contract, I think it was like 500 or 600 bucks. And that was back in like 2007. And it's only gone up since then. But the features have only gone up since then. So it's not like, it's not like this uh, alternate universe where technology just magically gets cheaper and cheaper and cheaper. But uh, JW Universe, thank you for the Twitch Prime sub. Appreciate that as well. Um, Tom Davis asks, are you still using fast charging exclusively? Has fast charging all the time had an effect on your battery health? My 11 is at 100% after occasionally using fast charging and keeping my phone on a wireless charger all day. No, I stopped when my battery health dropped. I, I think I updated everybody on uh, Twitter about that. But, um, yeah, I fast charged exclusively. And then only after a month of owning the phone, it went from 100% to 99%. And I found other people that were experiencing the same thing. I, I wasn't charging it any other way, just fast charging. And that was really fast for me because I my last phone, the 10s Max which I used pretty regularly, except with that thing, I wirelessly charged it exclusively, never fast charged it, never even used the lightning port on the 10s Max, just always charged wirelessly. That thing stayed at 100% battery health for the entire year. It didn't drop below 100% until like three days before I got my new phone. It was 100% for an entire year. So for me to, in one month, watch it go from 100 to 99, I was like, uh, okay, I don't want to damage it that bad. If every month is another percent, which I don't know if it would have been, but that that's what was happening. So after that, I've decided to just wirelessly charge my phone exclusively again. Um, I'm still done with the portless challenge, so like there have been a couple occasions where I've needed to charge my phone really quickly, and I'll just use the fast charger in those instances. At this point, I don't care. Like I will use my, I will charge my phone in any way um, that is convenient. And wireless charging is 99% of the time for me. Like my nightstand, I have a wireless charger. My desk, I have a wireless charger. That hasn't changed. So um, I haven't dropped another percent since then. So just from switching from fast charging to wireless charging, my battery health has not gone down anymore, even though I've owned this phone for more than a month, uh, more than two months, more than... How long am I having it? September was the... Yeah, so we're coming up on three months of ownership. I think I got my iPhone on the... 20th didn't i so tomorrow it will be three months officially with the pro max and um yeah i've had no other uh battery degradation degradation sorry since then uh renee like renee richie said yeah apple makes more expensive iphones they're not making iphones more expensive they're just making phones that do more than the old ones did and that cost more money 
Samsung is annoying. 900 at launch, 500 at sale. You need phone now, but buying at a full price would give you buyer's remorse. Yeah, if, if you care about how well your phone holds its value, which is an incredibly important factor for a lot of people that I think a ton of YouTubers just gloss over. Renee's one of those people that bring it up. But if you're the type of person that sells their iPhone after a year so that they can use that money to pay for their new one, iPhones are going to hold their value way better than any Android phone I've ever seen. I've never seen an Android phone hold its value that well. They will put it up for sale for 900 like you said, or 1000 bucks at launch. And then like two weeks later, they drop 200 bucks, and they're already cheaper. And then a month later, you can find one for you know 70% what it was worth <laughs> retail. Um, Google's the worst. The Pixel phones just tank so fast because Google cuts the prices so much because no one's buying them but yeah it's not good got s10 plus at full price and not pre-order oof yikes at least one plus sells at a constant price i don't know much about the resale value of one plus but they just have a very low retail price in the first place so you're usually not out that much in the first place resale value and or long-term support yep yep that's another thing iphones i think definitely have long-term support over I think the original Pixel just stopped getting updates, and that's as old as the iPhone. That's newer than the iPhone 7. The original Pixel came out like a month after the iPhone 7 did, and the iPhone 7 is obviously still getting software updates, and it'll probably continue to get software updates for at least like two more years. The 6S got iOS 13, and there's reason to believe it'll get iOS 14 more than likely. So, of course, the iPhone 7 will. Yeah. It's a good point. That's a good factor if you're planning on holding on to your phone for a while. Resale, but retail value does not uh, go down 40%. Yeah, not that quickly. I mean, everything goes down after a while. This is the reason you should be hesitant when you buy uh, new electric, uh, big, fancy, expensive cars. <laughs> cars, uh, uh, more often, most of the time, do not hold their value very well. You depreciate your car a whole lot when you drive it off the lot. So, something something to be aware of just before you buy big expensive things like that. It's not like buying a house that holds its value pretty well. It goes up over time most of the, most of the time. But I apologize for the stream. I wish the camera was working correctly. I have no idea what changed. Um, I'm looking at it right now. I I used it to record something this morning. I'm actually working on videos that are going to come out next decade, which feels weird, but isn't honestly not that far away. Um, today, I did an interview f with uh, Nick and Sweeney from the Telos of Tech podcast, who's actually going to be appearing in a tech video later um, next decade. This is coming out on January 3rd, if all goes well. I mean, I haven't reviewed the footage yet, so I guess if something goes wrong with the audio or the video, maybe it won't happen. But um, basically, we talked about the concept for a pro version or a, I don't know, plus version of the Apple card, which is kind of interesting. So um, the idea is the Apple card we have right now is like a tier two. You know, it doesn't cost anything to use it. It's free. But there's a lot of credit cards out there that are way higher end um, than the Apple card with much better rewards, but you have to pay an annual or monthly fee to use them. So the idea is the higher the annual fee, the better the rewards are. So we talked about the idea of Apple making a tier four version of the Apple card, which would mean it has an annual membership, but the rewards would be really, really good. So um, 
Will you convince convince your wife to buy a Tesla now? We're already convinced on it. It's just a matter of time. Um, having a Tesla might be helpful too. Okay, I'm not supposed to say much, Rye, but it's coming. All right, don't don't worry about that. It's not a matter of if, but when. S11 uh, would have 48 megapixel telephoto, 108 megapixel main sensor, as rumored. Okay, do we do we all suddenly care about megapixels now? It's fun. It's like that's coming back for some reason. I mean, the Xiaomi phone got a 108 megapixel camera, and then everyone went nuts. Everyone was like, "Oh my god, 108 megapixel!" Like, do I have to remind everybody? Like, megapixel does not mean better camera. <laughs> it just means you threw a lot of pixels. Be- just because it's an extremely high resolution image does not necessarily make it a good one, especially given it's taken on a smartphone. So everything that's going to look at that picture is probably going to be viewed on a smartphone screen, but the sensor size is bigger. Yeah, that's good. It's all good. But like we've seen in the past, it's, it's all a matter of how the computational side of it is handled. You can like, you can have a really, really good sensor or really, really high megapixel count, but that doesn't mean that doesn't necessarily mean it's a better image. It's all about that color calibration. It's all about that image processing. And we're getting to the point, like no one could see the difference between a 16 megapixel shot and a 108 megapixel shot. Unless you're like zooming in heavily, you want to zoom in really closely on that image, but no one's doing that. All the pictures you take on your phone, you're posting to Twitter and Instagram and Facebook for the boomers that still use Facebook, but that, that's they're all getting compressed anyway, so I'm not really sure why we get so worked up over the megapixel count because you're not going to notice the difference. You don't have a 108 megapixel screen because the megapixels referring to the resolution of the sensor, but yeah, hardware doesn't really matter for phone cameras at this point. I would say yeah, it mostly comes down to how the software handles it. It's a little bit of both, but yeah, the hardware can be improved a little bit. But I, I don't get excited for a camera based off of, oh, the megapixels higher now. Like that's, that's not a reason for the view. Oh, so the camera's better now because more pixels, right? More pixel, good. <laughs> maybe watching ev vids are better now they're doing incredibly well um i I'm, I'm at a crossroads now where i'm not exactly sure what to do but like the ev channel has surpassed the tech channel in a daily sense not not overall sense obviously it's still a brand new channel but in regards to how many views the channels get per day ev is now ahead of tech which I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what to prioritize now. Do you prioritize the channel getting the most views, or to prioritize the one with the most subscribers, which audience is bigger if one channel is getting more views than the other? I just I don't know. More pixel is good. It's not everything, but it is good. Yeah, it's good. I just I've 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 seen Microsoft phones with fifty megapixel sensors years ago, but that camera is garbage compared to the twelve megapixel camera on my iPhone now. So I'm just saying it's irrelevant, and all we know about really the sensor is that it's over 100 megapixels, which really just gives us a little detail about it, but it doesn't make it good. It's just, you can completely botch it with color accuracy and dynamic range. It's not a negative point, but it's nothing to judge the quality of a camera on. Remember those Sony phones with 48 megapixel camera? There was a Sony one, there was a there was a Microsoft one, I remember that one. They kept saying this had the best camera in the world because it was 42 megapixels. And it sucked. It doesn't matter. 
And that's what worries me about that sensor is hearing that it's 108 megapixels, but I've seen those photos and they didn't look particularly good. He said that lower megapixel cameras are more versatile in getting a good picture than the high megapixel camera. Yeah, I watched I watched his video on the Xiaomi camera and I remember looking at the pictures and not being that impressed. I remember him showing like, okay, so this is a 108 megapixel, megapixel photo and I was like, really? That doesn't look very good. <laughs> I just remember thinking it's like it looks fine, but I mean I've I've bickered about this in the past. In my opinion, megapixel count and and not just megapixel counts, but camera quality as a whole is such a tiny, tiny difference between all major smartphones now. Like any new phone that's flagship that you know came out in twenty nineteen, they all take great pictures. Let's be honest here. Like for average everyday use. They've got ultra-wides, they've got telephotos, the, 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 you can see what's going on in the picture. The image is very crisp, whether you're taking the photo on a OnePlus or an iPhone or a Galaxy, they all look great. And how much can we honestly bicker about this? <laughs> that's, that's where I start losing it. Is it's like when they do those side-by-side -side comparisons, and there are tiny, I'm talking like microscopic differences... And we're trying to decide which which is the king of the cameras here. No, I specifically did not watch the blind camera test. I know I know the results. Um, I saw the finished uh, whiteboard, but the whole reason I didn't watch it was because it never it never ends up being very insightful or interesting because it's always like, well, this camera that doesn't really do that well on paper did good in this particular situation, so it beat this other phone camera. And I'm like, it doesn't, and it's all based on photography which is one side of the camera performance. With video is a whole other side that we completely throw out. So it doesn't crown anything to me. It's like, I know which camera does the best at video, so I'm going to keep using that one. And they're all, yeah, exactly. They're all so similar now. Um, it's going to be more and more difficult to figure out ways of making cameras stand out from each other because they're all getting so good. Like, to, honestly, using my 11 Pro Max camera... And how it handles low light and the ultra wide and the telephoto and the video performance and everything. It's just like, how much more bickering can we, how much more cynical can we be about these dang cameras? <laughs> They're doing great. Um, you're seeing Star Wars tomorrow? Oh yeah, me too. Hope you like it. Apple Watch, triple camera setup. When are we getting that? <laughs> Do you think the new phones will have a notch? Mm-hmm. I mean, the SE won't in March, but that will have a big forehead and chin, just like the old iPhones did. But yeah, there's no way in my mind that they figured out a way to remove the notch in one year without making, I don't know, ultra-thick bezels of some kind. <laughs> they give it, like, iPad Pro-style bezels or something like that. Make your EV videos have the Tesla flag in the background. You know, I tried to do that when I first started making videos for that. I tried to angle the camera in a way so that the Tesla was in the background. But uh, what I noticed was more people um, making comparisons between my logo and the Tesla logo. And I also just, in this room, could not get the framing right to get the flag uh, lined up correctly. So I tried to for a while, but at the end of the day, I realized that just having a TV change dependent on the topic was more practical. But um, let's see. I agree with your uh, cast that EV is seeing the future unfold, even if step by step. Well, yeah, that's what we're 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 talking tech day by day. Yeah, 
off topic, but for me, 120 hertz is nice, but it is not something I'd pay extra for. Okay, that's fair. I mean, it is nice. I agree with you, but uh, I think there's a lot of people that would pay extra for it. So yeah, I would say that's a, that's a probably in the tech space at least it's an unpopular opinion. But that's why they're probably going to make other phones out there with um, uh, regular 60 hertz displays. If there are ProMotion iPhones coming, I bet they're only going to be on the Pro models. They're not going to bring ProMotion to all four iPhones. Um, OLED 60 hertz or LCD 120 hertz? For me, I would take LCD 120 hertz all the way. OLED is OLED is something I have to look for. I have to look for the differences between OLED and LCD. I'm like, uh, oh, okay. Yeah, I guess the black pixels are a little darker. Whereas 120 hertz is like super noticeable to me. No matter what you're showing, as long as there's motion, I can instantly see 120 hertz. It's super noticeable to me. Are we really really going to get those 3D scanners on iPhone 12? I'm not sure what you mean by 3D scanners other than time of flight sensor. But Apple, like Renee says, Apple does not usually ship uh, chipsets. They ship feature sets. So I don't think they're going to ship a time-of-flight sensor just for the sake of having a time-of-flight sensor. If Apple's adding a time-of-flight sensor to the next-gen iPhones, it's because they want it to allow for a feature that we don't have currently. So my prediction is that with the time-of-flight sensor, they're going to be able to make a really good, really well-done bokeh video support that will allow you to record videos and have, you know, portrait mode blur in the background. And that time-of-flight sensor, which is good for 3D mapping, will make that really possible and doable. So that's what I think it is. I don't think they're just going to add it for the sake of, well, it will make Boca a little bit better. So I doubt that. Would you think other tech YouTubers increase their coverage of Tesla EVs due to current environment of tech? Uh, maybe. It could. I, I do think they're going to run out of things to talk about in the tech space. They're going to... I mean, there's a lot of things to talk about when there's big events happening, but some people want to talk more about EVs and other people just don't have that calling. Other people just don't really feel that attracted to that topic. And that's fine. Not everyone can switch over, but, um, personally, in my opinion, there's just, it's, it's very, very dry. It's very, very like it's a drought right now in the tech space with what there is available to talk about. Um, whatever tiny bit of news or leak or rumor we do find, um, we have to, extrapolate on it so much just to have things to talk about um but there's a lot of youtubers that don't upload things daily um which i've i've tossed around the idea of in the past but the issue is like the youtubers typically that don't do daily either have to do some type of super high quality video occasionally and that either comes from the cinematography or the the script and the research and something like that and the problem is there's so many other bigger channels that are doing amazing cinematography um, and they're doing amazing analysis and script and writing that there's not really much of a market for that to be competed with. You know, if, you're, if your angle is to be like, I want to be like Marquez and do really high resolution videos and high quality videos, um, you're at a severe disadvantage because you don't have robot arms and the sliders and the cameras and the high res stuff he has. So... As cool as you can make your content, it's never really going to hold a candle to what he can create because he's going to have more resources. And lots of other people like Marquez are going to have more resources than you. So um, I'm kind of in that situation. I can't just say like, well, 
in order to get more views, I'm just going to blow a bunch of money on equipment and hopefully people will watch my videos more because the quality's super high. Um, I haven't seen that to be the case. In fact, I've seen several YouTubers that have struggled despite them having really high resolution cameras and really good editing and really good audio and just high quality overall. But if their subject isn't interesting, if they can't uh, entice people enough with their topics, it doesn't matter. So that's proof to me that the quality of the video and just the, the production value of it does not have anything to do with the success of it. Um, I'm more interested in VR slash AR use rather than something for the camera. Well, there's not really too much they can do. I mean, they've already accomplished a lot with augmented reality with the cameras that are already on the iPhone. So time of flight sensor might help a little bit with AR. There's not really much they can do with VR other than like slide it into a pair of goggles, but they don't need time of flight sensor for that. Um, so for augmented reality, I mean, they can, they can improve on what they've done with AR, but they can't really do many exclusive features with that. So I don't, I don't think that time of flight sensor will simply be there for just AR purposes because you can make really good AR tracking and, and masking out with the regular cameras in the first place. But next iPad pro is coming with mini led. How portable, how probable is this rumor? Um, it's out there. I don't, the thing is, I don't think the people suggesting that iPad pros are coming with mini led. I don't think they're lying. I just think they're hearing about the development behind the scenes. So when they say that that's coming at the end of 2020, I don't think that that's them lying. I just think that's them guessing, which is why I would say it's not confirmed. You know, it's not like it's definitely coming. It's just something Apple's working on. But look how big and thick that Pro Display XDR is. You know, that they had to make something very over the top in order to encompass in order to encompass that mini LED display. So trying to thin and slim that down into something as thin as an iPad Pro. I doubt that they could get the same scale of dynamic range that the Pro Display has onto an iPad Pro. Um, maybe a smaller version of it, maybe something that's more comparable to an OLED display, but without the cons of an OLED display. Uh, but still, yeah, I have my doubts about that. I don't think Apple knows. I think they're waiting to see if they can develop something that can exceed in that department or if they can make it practical. They might just be playing around with the idea and then, you know, chit-chat goes down the rumor train and then people pick up those rumors and, and tell them to us, but that does not mean it's coming out. That just means Apple's thinking about it. So I completely uh, believe in the idea that they're messing around with mini LED displays on iPads and MacBooks, but I don't think that confirms um, it's coming in the end of 2020, which is what the rumor says. Uh, we need daily uploads on food. That's a good point, yeah. we got to make that happen. <laughs> what do you think a good wearable for iPads? I think... I was thinking AR glasses. I don't know what you mean by a wearable for iPads. A wearable is a wearable. Since wearables are money for Apple. Yeah, the AR glasses thing is just kind of chasing a, a ghost at this point. It just we, we hear about it, and then it gets quiet, and then we hear about it, and then it gets quiet. I want it to come out. I want to see what the AR glasses can be, but um, I don't really see much of the technology being ready in the third-party department, so... I don't know. I, like, if it's anything like the Hololens, it's it can't be very good yet, and Apple likes to wait on those things until they're ready. So, I don't know. I don't mean time of flight. I mean more of a Face ID style scanner on the back that can scan objects in the world. People can then uh, generate high fidelity digital content. Um, the Face ID style cameras would not be very good at long long range stuff. 
So you'd have to hold it really close, but I don't know. I can't think of a specific use case for that. Um, let's see. The Pro Display will fit perfectly in 2020. It's one of those things that look like that looks like it's in the future. Yeah, I mean, for people in the reference monitor business, not for everybody else. There's a there's a <laughs> there's a very small percentage of people that are going to buy the Pro Display compared to, you know, any other category. Like compared to the people buying the MacBook Pro or the iMac, generating 3D meshes. Okay, but why? Like. Do we want to take 3D photos of things and then load them into... Is that is that going to be a new Instagram experience? <laughs> I just... I don't know. It could be helpful for someone in the game development world, I guess, but I don't... We're talking about iPhones here. I don't, I don't know if that's going to make it onto every iPhone. Did you see the vertical Galaxy Fold leak? Only Samsung phone with one-sized bezel all the way around. Looks nice. I wish more Android phones had one-sized bezel. Yeah, I do agree with the one-size bezel part, but yeah, I saw the Galaxy Fold 2 leak or whatever, and I just don't understand what happened to everyone's argument for the Fold. Like, that, the fact that people are excited for the Galaxy Fold 2 proved my point about foldables, that no one's actually excited for a functional reason. They just are excited because it folds. That's the feature. It's, it's far less practical. Um, so if it's at a really compelling price point and the specs are decent, I mean, it... It has the potential to be one of the better foldable phones out there, but knowing how the launch of folds have gone so far, I just don't have much faith in it. I'm not, I'm not uh, convinced that this is the future of phones uh, because I still can't figure out what's the big feature other than like you can fold it in half and then it makes a smaller brick in your pocket. I, I, <laughs> I still can't get past that point. I'm like, what's the feature? Because if you start making phones like this that can fold in half, I don't, I just don't get it. Like before, I could, it was a flawed concept because it was too expensive and the compromises were too high. But the first Galaxy Fold, the whole argument was you could have a mini tablet that could fit in your pocket. But that was horrible and expensive, and the launch was botched. They didn't want to ship it anywhere. So now I'm like, well, what? What's the point of a normal-sized phone that can fold up? I, did, I don't get it. Um, Potato Dan, thank you for the Twitch Prime sub. He's also reached a year. Congratulations. Thank you for the support. 2025 XDR's display for $2,000. Eh, I guess that's a little bit better. <laughs> $2,000. It's a 6K display. I mean, it does look nice. I, I like that the bezels are thin. I just, I'm not willing to spend $5,000, $6,000 for just bezels being thinner. That's too much. That's that's about the price I paid for my iMac Pro two years ago. And that took me like months and months of saving. And now we're just going to blow six grand on something that's, I don't know. Like, it's just a monitor now. We don't even have a computer in it. It's just a big, yeah. I don't know. But thank you for the Twitch Prime stuff. Yes, that's a great use for the Pro Display. We'll get the Pro Display so that we can have vertical IGTV content. Perfectly. That's the price of my car. Oh, really? My car was way cheaper than that. <laughs> my car was 3500 which is a decent deal. But yeah, that's only like three and a half Pro Display stands. Clearly, Apple wanted to have IGTV content in mind. Because lots of people edit IGTV content at extreme dynamic range. Because Instagram totally supports that. I know. And those wheels. 
Can we get wheels for the pro display, please? I want to be able to roll that thing around. What if you just, like, pushed on the desk a little bit and then the monitor just rolls off onto the floor? Oh, God. Just don't pick it up off the floor unless you have your very special cleaning cloth. The one they include. <laughs> oh, my God. That pro display. I'll check one out. I went to an Apple store recently. They didn't have one on display. They might have one out on display now, right? Aren't they shipping by now? The The wheels are made of iPod track wheel. Click wheels, yes. AR is a big part of the vision for Apple. Well, users need a way to generate their own AR content. If you find something nice or have something nice, you can have as many of them as you like. You can share it digitally with others. You can You can scan a space and invite people into it. Seriously, this would be huge. I agree with the fact that 3D holograms would be huge. It's just the hardware is so behind to the point of it being practical and useful. Apple's typically not in the space for making hardware and accessories for just developers, typically. They want to make something that's more grand than that. And currently, the only use case of augmented reality I've seen is like the HoloLens there's some lighter forms of it, but they don't do motion tracking like uh, the HoloLens does, which is what AR glasses would have to do. I agree, it would be huge, but the tech, the hardware just isn't there yet. Uh, I thought it was going to be this year. I thought I thought it was coming soon, but those leaks have gone quiet. Um, and there, we haven't really heard much about it since then. I was really excited for it, but um, yeah, we've we've heard nothing for a long time. Okay, now I can't get the image of Pro Display XDR slowly rolling off a desk out of my head. For some reason, it looks incredibly funny. Because <laughs> it's huge and expensive, so it would be hilarious. There you go. We can watch 16K YouTube content. Oh, sorry. Zeke asked, your favorite fried chicken burger? I don't have a lot of fried chicken burgers. If I get a burger, I usually just get a standard beef patty. I don't, I don't, I can't think of the last time. I, I don't think I've ever had a chicken burger. I like chicken. I just would rather just eat chicken normal. I don't I don't need it in a burger form. Um, between Wendy's, KFC, Popeye's, Chick-fil-A, I can tell you my wife is a huge KFC fan. She loves KFC with a passion. She's a... Man, she gets pumped for KFC. But um, for me, I don't know. I like I like all of them. I'm, I'm not picky. I, I'll eat at any of those places you listed. I like Wendy's. I like... But I also like Popeyes. Yeah, they're all good. I don't know, but chicken sandwiches aren't really my thing. I usually just get a chicken burger. You've never had the Popeyes chicken sandwich? No, I haven't. I mean, I haven't eaten out in a while. We've been incredibly frugal lately. We've been challenging ourselves with our food budget because we think food is something really easy for people to spend a lot of money on month to month because you you need food. We need food to live. <laughs> so we look at it as a necessity, but a lot of people spend a ton of money on food um, when, if they cook from home and they uh, just buy groceries and just uh, make make their meals at home. You can save a lot of money that way. So in the month of October, we spent $100 on our food. And this month we've spent, what is it? I think 20 bucks. I think we we got away with 20 bucks so far. Super low budget. We we tried to top it. So October was a record. We spent um, $100 in October on food. And now in December, we're trying to beat that. And so far, we were just like, how little, how how small amount of money can we spend on food this month? And we spent, I think we've spent a little over 20 bucks in like 20 days, which is insane. 
Um, so I we don't go out to eat a lot. So no, I've never had a Popeye's chicken sandwich, but I would like to. I think we've decided after being super budget, like in November we went nuts. We did not do a f- super um, frugal budget in November because October was really tight. But uh, we went a little overboard on food in November. So we said to compromise, we'll meet in the middle on December and try to do even less than 100. Um, yep, Christmas shopping's all done. That's in a whole separate part of the budget. Um, how could you possibly get enough protein? Protein's not expensive. You don't have to eat out to get protein. You just buy buy protein-rich stuff from the grocery store. Buy stuff in bulk, and then you can scale it out over time. It's fine. I'm not saying cut out protein. <laughs> we were still eating as much nutrients and as much protein as we did before. We're having salads and we have meat. It's just you buy it at the grocery store. You don't buy... you. Popeyes does not have a monopoly on protein. <laughs> uh, would you ever trip to Mars if slash when it's possible? No, that sounds awful. I would hate to go to Mars. I swear everyone is so stupid. They keep talking about Apple Car rumors, but are ignoring the fact that the Apple Car is here. It's the Mac Pro with wheels. Yes, exactly. It got all those fans on the back. It'll propel it down the road. How much protein do you need? I don't know the exact number, but I'm just saying we get plenty of protein out of our... We're eating everything we used to eat. The Apple car is definitely coming. No, I wouldn't say definitely. There's lots of patents. There's lots of investigation on an Apple vehicle being done, but um, uh, it, it could. T- it's totally one of those moonshot projects. It's easily one of those projects they're working on in the background, but that does not guarantee that it will see the, the light of day. Um... Boy, this fried chicken burger is getting hotter. Even McDonald's is testing one. Never knew Goldman Sachs analyzed burgers. <laughs> yeah. You can get a lot of protein from eggs, which are not that expensive, and meat, which is also not that expensive. Um, you can cook it at home. Don't You guys know eating out is more expensive, right? Tesla kind of stole their thunder with the whole minimalist, environmentally friendly car. That's the thing. Even if Apple made a car, they would be miles behind Tesla. No pun intended. There, there's no way they could catch up to where Tesla is um, very quickly. If Apple released a car, which I'm not saying is impossible, I'm just saying it's less and less likely as Tesla gets better and better, um, it would more than likely be something closer in price and size to the Porsche Taycan. It would probably be a $150,000 to a $180,000 luxury EV that's not really a great deal for the range um, because the investments Tesla's made in battery technology and the the process of making batteries for phones is completely different from making cars and motors, and Apple has no experience with that, and Tesla has huge experience in that, and Tesla also has uh, a huge lead on the supercharging network that Apple has zero of. So they're already too late to the game, basically. Um, main reason I choose Tesla's for the charging network. Yep, exactly. Fuel cell vehicle is a leapfrog product over battery vehicles. Yeah, but that that tech is not proving to be sustainable for the masses. If I learned to cook, I could save for the XDR display in 20 years. Aha, uh-huh. exactly. It also helps that we don't drink coffee. Or what if Apple did the tunnel boring machine? <laughs> you mean hydrogen fuel cells? Is that what you're referring to? Because hydrogen's never going to be... Hydrogen's never going to take off like electric already has. 
if hydrogen was going to be a legitimate threat to EVs, it would have had to have started on an on an aggressive charging network like three years ago. And there's like barely any charging net refueling network. I shouldn't say charging network now. They're extremely late because it's very easy to install a massive supercharging network because you can put them anywhere there's power. And you don't have to drive out fuel to superchargers. They just pull it from the grid or they have solar panels or battery packs there. Hydrogen's way more difficult than that because you'd have to bring hydrogen out there every time you wanted to refuel the station, which is far more expensive than an electric supercharging station. And the range of EVs is already catching up to hydrogen fuel cells, so it's not even that much better. And fuel cells still need battery tech. So you result in a very heavy car that's not that efficient, and hydrogen's also more expensive. The main distributors for hydrogen are the existing fuel distribution companies? Yeah, but the whole reason people are going EV is because they're cheaper to maintain. Electricity... 99% of the time costs less than gas and hydrogen costs more than standard gasoline hydrogen one is the simplest atom that is true that is true but it's much easier to charge your car at home than it is to go to the hydrogen station every once in a while because there's not that many hydrogen stations and rolling them out is going to be really difficult when so many people are switching to evs that's the whole point. Like you can't you can't get people to switch based on the environmental factor alone. If it was more expensive and if it was more complicated, but it was better for the environment, it wouldn't work, you know. The reason people are getting EVs to sell is because they can say like, "Hey, these don't require as many oil changes. They have regenerative braking, so you don't have to worry about the brake pads, and you can charge from home, which is going to be immensely cheaper than paying for gas." Hydrogen costs more than gasoline to refuel from. So there's not even a hydrogen refueling network yet. EV is fine for people who can stay within a metro, but that certainly isn't everyone. No, it's for... The, did you miss the Cybertruck? They're getting these things to 400, 500 miles. Average person drives 30 miles a day anyway, and even on road trips. 300 miles covers a large majority. That's why you're seeing Tesla do so well. Hydrogen fuel cell requires electricity to produce hydrogen fuel. Apart from buses, it won't see itself in cars. That's why it's not taking off. Why do you think so many EVs are selling? It won't scale out if no one buys into it. It doesn't, like, what What hydrogen fuel cell would need is, a, is its own Tesla. Tesla's pioneering the electric vehicle game. They're going all in. They're not, they're not doing occasional gas cars and some EVs like legacy automakers are. They're just saying, no, every car we're making is going to be an EV. Whereas hydrogen doesn't have that. They don't have a company that's trying to pioneer that and make it better and go all in on an infrastructure. No one's willing to pay the upfront price of making a giant refueling network. Gas stations are already all over the place, but they had a century to do that. Hydrogen refueling, there's barely any, and it's going to be 10 times more expensive to do that than an EV network. bit of mirror. Okay, you can buy what you want. I'm just saying hydrogen's not going to take off over EV. Way more expensive, way harder infrastructure, and you still have to buy battery packs anyway. Yeah, graphene, I, I, I'd even say graphene batteries are further out than that. 
But my point is they're already getting the range of EVs higher and higher and higher. The, the rate of improvement for electric vehicle range has been insanely high over the past decade. Graphene batteries would help with that, but I still don't think they're, they're soon. Manufacturing those on a massive scale is going to be way too expensive. We can't even get them into phones. The reason we're using lithium is because it's much cheaper to produce. The only plus of hydrogen is the faster charging speeds, but even then, Tesla's speeding up battery charging speeds. And yeah, but you most of the time, the, the problem is everyone's thinking of it backwards. Everyone's thinking, oh, the range is 300 miles since I last went to a refueling station, or a gas station as we call it now. But that's not true. With an EV, you can charge from home. So your range is not 300 miles from the station, like it is with a gas car, okay, my Sonata can go 450 miles, but it's going 450 miles from the gas station. It's not going 450 miles from home, so it's an even even bigger inconvenience because I can still wake up, go outside, and oh crap, my car's low. So before I go get groceries or before I drive to work, I have to go to the gas station and refuel. So sure, it's slow, but it's still an errand that you wouldn't have to make with an EV because an EV is a 300-mile range every time you leave the house because you just plug in and charge. Just like your phone. And we're already seeing that Tesla's making batteries more and more affordable, increasing the range of cheaper vehicles. Like the Model 3 was not even a thing two years ago. It was not even on the road. It was barely on the road two years ago. And look how fast they've rolled that out and how common they are now. So imagine what they're going to do in another three years when it comes to range. That's why, like, the Cybertruck is a 500-mile range, and that's a $70,000 car. That goes further than a lot of standard gas vehicles. Sure, it's more expensive, but it's not going to cost as much. And I'm sure with time, 10 years from now, we'll probably have a range on an EV just as good as a gas car, if not better, except you can also charge it from home. No, I don't believe you. Shell runs hydrogen in California. Do you think Shell is going to let its business slip away for fear of making the investment? They're going to do it when the car production capacity is there. Toyota just recently increased by an order of magnitude their fuel cell production capacity. They can try. I'm just saying they're not going to sell as well. I'm sure Shell will try to retrofit them for hydrogen, but that doesn't make it a good sell. If someone's in the market for a new car and they can get a Tesla, which is cheaper to maintain and has autonomous driving features, safest car on the road, really fast 0 to 60 speed, by the way, which fuel cells are not good at. Fuel cells do not have very good uh, quick acceleration and torque. Teslas do. EVs do. They're very good at 0 to 60 speed, much cheaper to maintain. The customer is going to go with the cheaper, easier to maintain one that they can charge from home. How are you going to sell people on a hydrogen car by telling them, well, it's going to cost just as much as gasoline costs to refuel this thing? And no, you can't fill it up from home. And it's not as fast. One problem is insurance is expensive in Tesla, but that's all EVs. It's expensive because there's not much of an infrastructure for electric vehicles, but that's the same problem with hydrogen. It's not going to be any cheaper on fuel cells. Pretty much any new car, really, has pretty expensive insurance, but yeah. it's uh, They're complicated cars, and the infrastructure for repairing them and fixing them is just not there yet, but it will get cheaper with time. Any new technology, it's not going to be cheap to insure. The reason gas cars are cheaper to insure is because they've been around for decades so there's huge infrastructures and parts available to fix them. Well, unless why drive hundreds of miles a day, it won't be a problem. What if you went to sleep and forgot to plug in your EV? 
you can apply that same logic to a gas car. What if I forget to go to the gas station? That's not a that's not a good counter argument. Well, you're going to run out of gas if you forget. Same way if it. But the difference is, if I forget to fill up my gas car, I'm going to die out on the freeway. If I forget to plug in my electric car, I can just go outside and plug it back in. You cannot refill your gas car when it's at home and parked in your garage. It's sitting there doing nothing. So, no, they won't. They won't retrofit their gas stations to hydrogen stations if there's not a demand for it. It's a death spiral. They won't. They won't put a bunch of hydrogen refueling stations up if there's not a lot of hydrogen cars on the road. And there won't be a lot of hydrogen cars on the road if everyone's buying EVs, which are increasingly selling better and better. Model Three was the ninth best-selling vehicle, not just not just in its class, not just a ninth best-selling car in the U.S. this year. And if you look at all the other stats of car manufacturers, they're all seeing decrease in sales year over year. There's a couple that we're seeing like a 1% increase. But Tesla, year after year, has seen like 50 to 100% sales increase over time. Gas tank in my garage? Yeah, no one does that. <laughs> Waiting for much cheaper self-driving electric Ubers so we don't even have to own a car. Cabs that uh, can be cheap that, as they run 24-7. Yeah, I think that'll be a big piece of our future. Tesla seems to think so. Totally random, but do you turn reduce, reduce motion on or off on your devices? Whatever the default is. I think I think they're off by default, so I don't. I definitely don't have them on. If more homes have chargers, you could go up to a house and buy a charge. What? Chargers? What do you mean? Just the outlet? Mm, I don't think so. <laughs> that would be like your neighbor coming over and asking to charge their phone at your house. I don't think that would happen very much. Don't think so. But there will be more uh, charging stations going in. There's already a ton. There's way more than there were. Like, they're putting in six a week. Six a week. You realize that? Like, the other day, like, last week, they set up, uh, I think they turned on, like, six version three superchargers, by the way. 250 kilowatt hours. In one day, they activated all six. You will never see that with hydrogen stations. <laughs> I'm sorry, that's literally just not possible. Unless every single station was producing hydrogen. But the process of, of um, harvesting hydrogen in a way that it can be outputted into the vehicle, it's not a cheap process. Electricity, we're already doing that. It's a resource we're already consuming. I mean, for your EV, still. What, are you going to drive your car over to your neighbor's house to charge it? Just charge it yourself. It's just a standard 110 outlet if you want. The only thing I don't like about Teslas are the rims. I don't know if that's the correct English. Just Google it. The stuff in the middle of the tires. Yeah. The Tesla cells directly are super ugly. Well, those are just tires. You can change those. They come off. I'm interested to see how version 3 supercharging impacts battery health. Well, there's a lot more battery health preservation features in Teslas than your standard phone. Um, that's the whole challenge. I mean, the, the, the process of charging up a car very quickly is not that difficult. The, pr the challenge is finding a way to cool it down so that the battery doesn't hurt itself. And there's lots of fans and there's lots of cooling systems in place to prevent the battery from overheating, um, which is why it doesn't run at 250 kilowatt hours all the time. It only does that when the battery is particularly low and it's conditioned to be charged that way. Um, 
So you can, when you have a low charge, I think version 3 supercharging can get you like 150 miles in 10 minutes. It's super fast and you can plug in very quickly. Um, and I'm sure it will get better in time. There's already some cars on the road, uh, not on the road, but there's development being done that, um, like Elon said, the Cybertruck will support over 250 kilowatt hours of charging. So they will get better at the uh, refuel time. I don't think they'll ever get um, as good as a gas station, but you don't need to. I've never got a parking ticket, no. Harvesting hydrogen is poor for the environment, defeats the point of it being environmentally friendly. At least with electric cars, you have more sources of electricity that are better, like solar and wind. It's kind of like how China powers electric cars with coal. Like, what's the point then? It's still better for the environment, even if it is coal. It's not always about, like, there being zero emissions. Like, there's, it's also fixing an issue of local pollution, which a lot of people um, don't realize. Like, there's a bunch of people that I always see that, that, haven't done much research on the topic and they immediately go well if your power plant is coal and you're charging your tesla with power that's coming from a coal power plant then it's not better for the environment than a gas car yes it is it's because a power plant when you're producing massive amounts of electricity is much more efficient if you're comparing the emissions to the kilowatt hour it's much better than an individual gas engine just pouring gas into each individual car. And by the way, every gas car is pumping off emissions to wherever you are. When you're walking down the sidewalk, there's just CO2 going everywhere. Whereas a power plant, you know that they usually have those big smokestacks up? Because they're pushing the emissions out. They're not pushing it into our neighborhoods, into our city streets, into the schools, into businesses. They're way out of the way, which is less damaging to our own lungs just for health reasons it's better for the environment and a little gas engine in the front of your car is not going to be as efficient at producing energy as a giant power plant that's producing tons of energy at once but also yes you are correct you can switch uh the energy source of that tesla to whatever solar wind or hydropower where i live there's actually a very high amount of hydropower which is where Water gets released through like a river or a dam or something, and that spins turbines. There's no emissions for that, but it does create a power that we can use. So, um, yeah, it's it's like it pushes the responsibility off of the individual, and that's why it's uh, cleaner. But thank you for the 50 bits, Koji. Appreciate that. And uh, I got to wrap up here. Sorry, the camera's not working. I'll try to get that fixed later. But thank you all for watching. I got some more work to do. I will see you all in the next one. Have a good day. Bye bye. Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.